Welcome, and thank you for listening to the New Day Podcast. We are located in South Kansas City, proclaiming the good news of God's grace to our region and abroad. If you'd like more information, please visit our website, newdaykc.org. Good, I'm glad. I'm loving this summer. This has just been the most incredible summer. I had so many good meetings last week, and uh, just with what God's doing, and uh, I met with several people that just just encouraged my my socks off. Uh, one of, one of them had just finished reading uh, uh, One Way Love by Tulian Chivijan. And boy, I'd encourage you to get that book. And they just got a real, real blessing from God over understanding and faith and, and that this whole life that we live is about what we believe and who we believe in and what he believes about us. It's incredible. I met with another pastor who just encouraged me and just, just blessed the daylights out of me, who just kept saying, don't preach any qualifiers, no qualifications. You have the best message in the city. You know why it's the best message in the city? Not because we're best. It's the gospel of grace. We need to hear it again. We need our hearts to come alive. We need our identities to come alive. We need our joy to come alive. Man, this is the best news ever. God's for you. Who? Graceaholic? I'll take it. I'm a Graceaholic. Oh, I could tell you stories. You have no idea who you follow, except Jesus. He's never let go of me. Do you believe in predestination? I don't know what that is. Well, it has to do with your identity. We had such a good service last week. God just interrupted everything, and I put my notes aside. And he started talking to us about our identities and about walking free from shame. And I got so much feedback this week. It was just incredible. So if you weren't here, I encourage you to get on the website and just listen. Not just because it wasn't a teaching. It was just reading and hearing and, and being together in the presence of the Lord. And, you know, it doesn't matter how many years you've lived on the earth. That shame thing can jump on you, and it's about our identity. And really, it was a, a preempt and sort of a, it was a divine parenthesis into what we've been teaching, because I'm te- teaching about assurance of salvation. Uh, another theological term for that is called eternal security, and what you believe and what you don't believe. And it has to do with your identity. Shame has to do with your identity, too. Most of us think that shame has to do with our behavior. It doesn't. Shame has to do with how you see yourself, how you view who you are in this life. Now, your behavior can affect that, certainly. Other people's behaviors can affect that, can't they? Um, We all get a package to work through in life. Have you noticed that? By the way, uh, for any of you young parents in here, your kids are going to get a package. Don't tell me that. I want to do everything perfectly and everything's going to be wonderful. Well, your kids are going to get a package that they get to work through in grace with God. You want them to have that. Not bad things. I'm not talking about 
that, that's belittling of God. Oh, come magnify the Lord with me. The things I hear about God today, it just, I, I'm, li- I'm, like, I'm like Brennan Manning. Too many people's view of God is way too little for me. They have a mean, angry, judgmental God who's ready to bonk people with the heavenly stick up in heaven to get them in line. That's not my heavenly father. God's not mad at you this morning. God's not disappointed in you. God's not discouraged with you. You're belittling God. God's in control. How big is God? Do you know what Isaiah says? How big's the universe? Any scientists out there? How big's the universe? We don't know, do we? You know what Isaiah says? It says God measures the universe in the span of his hand. Does that not stun you this morning? That which we can't measure. Now, some people say that's a span for all you rockers. And some people say that's the span. Either way, it's a measurement. We measure horses by hands. And uh, you're riding a really big horse if you're on a, what, 9, 10, 11 hand horse? 11? 11's 18? 16. I'm going to go, what horse are you riding in on? 18? That's, that's a dinosaur. That's not a horse. God's big. How big is it? Come magnify. And the things about God. See, people want to diminish and argue about grace, what it can do, what it can't do. Really? You want to diminish grace? I want to magnify it. I don't want God little. I want great big God that can measure the universe. Because you know what that does inside of me with my identity? It makes me secure. My God's bigger than their God. I don't want to talk about, about a God who can lose people from salvation. R- really? He can separate his identity from mine? I can do something that would limit who he is to me? He's limitless. God's a God of adventure. You want to go on adventures? I've been on adventures. You've been on an adventure lately? Would you like to go on an adventure? How many want to go on an adventure? Magnify God. But what about the demons? Real little compared to God. Kind of big when they show up in your room. They'll do that? No. Well, sort of. They can They're not that big. You can be scared of demons. Whom shall I fear? Though a host encamp against me. Whom shall I fear? You don't have to be afraid. Don't be afraid of spiritual things. I find people afraid of like engaging God on a spiritual level. I was going on my own trip this morning as Michael was leading us in worship. Just remembering all the incredible things that God did. And he didn't even ask my permission. I remember when he baptized me in the Holy Spirit. He never asked my permission. Matter of fact, I never gave him permission to knock me off my horse and save me. He just did it all on his own. I remember when baptism of the Holy Spirit was so controversial. 
I got baptized in the Holy Spirit and didn't know what was happening. Words came out of my mouth. and I put my hand over my mouth and went, oh my gosh. Did that come out of me? What are you doing? And then got to pray with oh, Do you remember how, con- how many of you have been saved for about 25, 30 years? You've been walking with the Lord. Remember how controversial tongues was? Nobody talks about that anymore. Maybe we're not talking in that. Maybe we don't preach about it enough or something. I don't know. If you haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit, it ought to happen for you. It could be that it doesn't manifest enough. I know it does in my life, but those were just the littler things. What do you believe about a destiny? That's why I asked about predestination. What do you believe about your identity? One of the things is the security of knowing that God has you right where you're supposed to be right now. Do you have that in your life? Some of you are going, yes, some of you are not sure how to act with me this morning. Some of you are new here and going, oh, that guy's crazy. Baby, you ain't seen nothing yet. You want to go on a journey? going to shift. People have asked me, well, well, he's preached this stuff and half the congregation left. That's okay. We'll take this half and double it. If you believe in the message this year, what God's doing with the gospel of grace here, and you want to go on an adventure and you want to tell other people about it. It's interesting what, I can't remember this. I'm terrible with it biblical addresses, 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians, but it says, I believe, therefore I spoke. 14.5? No, it's like in the earlys, like one or two. You don't know either? What kind of preachers are we, brother? <laughs> preachers of grace, all grace. It's in there someplace. Right? It's either 1 or 2 Corinthians, and it says this, I believe, therefore I What do you believe? What do you believe about God? And what do you believe that God says about you? For years I spent a lot of my Christianity trying to figure out what God said about God. When I started believing it in faith, then I started seeing what God said about me. That's when I got really blown away. I started getting rid of some of the shame stuff, the identity stuff, and I started getting secure, going back to do that. By the way, who's new here? I'm not going to embarrass you. You are not new here, Jim. (laughs) Repent, brother. Here. If I give you a book, will you read it? Well, you call me sir. Would you lay hands on the rest of the Especially Ron Freeman, lay hands. I believe certain things, and the reason I'm talking about eternal security is not to become more controversial, but so that you get very secure in your identity. Because you if you don't have a security in God, you will never be secure about your identity. And if you believe that there's things that you can do or not do that can steal that identity from you, 
you will live in insecurity, and I will tell you something, you will walk in shame. I grew up in a generation when kids did something wrong, parents were (coughs) taught to tell us, now aren't you ashamed of that? Aren't you ashamed of yourself? That's not God. It's not God. We looked at it last week. He's not ashamed of us. He's not ashamed to call you by a very familiar term. Beyond friendship, says he's not ashamed, and the, and the New Testament writer put it this way, he's not ashamed to call you brethren, family members, brother, sister. He's not ashamed. God's delighted in me this morning. Can you get up and look in the mirror in the morning and say, I am the delight of heaven. I am the beloved of the Lord's. He is just crazy about me. And believe it with your heart. Have you taken that leap of faith yet? I want to invite you to the gospel of grace because that's what it says. And that nothing can take that away. I want to read you something from an old book. It's written 26 years ago, one of the, you know, and I know Spurgeon has some incredible stuff on grace. He was one of the first well-known grace preachers of the, I don't know if you could call it the modern area, uh, 19th century. This is from Dudley Hall's book, Grace Works, and the little paragraphs titled Chosen by God. I want you to see something here with me this morning. This is really important because the idea of destiny and identity and who we are as people who believe in Jesus and what happens when a new creation thing happens in our hearts. I am brand new. This tent might be wearing out, but my spirit is still as new as as the day that he came in and gave his life to me. Chosen by God. He said, first, I must hear in my inner being that I was chosen by God. Have you heard that yet? What's he mean by inner being? Inside of your heart. Have you heard that you were chosen by God? What do you believe about your identity? Do you know everybody gets their identity, and I talked to some people about this this past week, and it just all ties together. Everybody gets their identity by a voice outside of themselves. Even as we're growing up and doing that, we want to hang out with a certain group, and then we start identifying with it. you know, I, I remember my oldest brother. He, my oldest brother was a hood. Back, it was short for hoodlum. So he got in trouble a whole lot. And he's dead now and in heaven. So he's just smiling down listening at this, you know. And he, he, he <clears throat> would put that uh, uh, brill cream stuff. Do you guys know what brill cream is? Yeah. So he would look, put that brill cream in. He had to, and he was different than the rest of us. He was like he was he was dark like my father. So he had dark hair, and the rest of us were kind of blonde, kind of. Now it's kind of white. And he would put that stuff. And he he wore a ducktail. Do you know what ducktail is? <laughs> Rex Phillips right wore a ducktail. So so he put that brill cream in there, you know. And you got you used quite a bit, half a tube maybe. And you, you wore it long, 
and full. And the ducktail was this. They cut it in such a way that your hair all came back like this, back in the back, and then it did this little flip up in the back. Now, it wasn't a rat tail. That's different. This is a little flip up. And that was his identity. And he wore a real tight white T-shirt, and then he'd take his Winston's or whatever those cigarettes are, and you put the cigarette pack in there. You're talking about cigarettes at church here. Well, you know, don't smoke. It's bad for you. And he'd roll it up in that, so a little bit of bicep showing too, you know. Where'd they go? You got a farmer tan. Yeah. Yes, sir. 16 years in the desert, you learned to hide from that sun. He'd roll that up, and then he wore his jeans. Now, not pants on the ground, not like today, but loose, loose, like original Levi's loose, and just barely there, like just barely hanging on. Yeah, see, you know what I'm talking about. That was cool. So it's sort of like Fonzie, and then if you had some money, you bought a leather jacket. It identified him. It's what he got his identity out. Oh, by the way, when he had a cigarette, he used to drive my mom nuts. He would take here, I'm going to use your pen. You're going to have to wipe it off when I'm done. <laughs> and he just put the cigarette so it was hanging down. Gave him an identity. Well, I'll get our identity from a voice outside of us. He got it from that group. Maybe you got it from a group that you attached with. Lots of different kinds of groups. We identify with it. We all get our identity from a voice outside of us. Even Jesus did. Jesus grows up, goes out in the wilderness, gets tempted, comes back to the River Jordan, gets baptized by his cousin John, comes up out of the water. The heavens open up. Some say it thundered and others heard this. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. How many people had he raised from the dead? None. How many blind eyes had been opened at that point? How many people had he preached to? Keep saying it, Charlie. How many times did he walk on the water? Not yet. yet. He went under the water. God's voice came and said, This is my son in whom I'm well pleased because of who he was, was his identity. When you take that into you, that's the born again. If you ever question about whether you were born again, do it this way. You're my father, and you're well pleased with me because you're pleased with what your son did for me. Changes everything. God's not ashamed of you. You've got to get a bigger view of God than that. If you think God's disappointed in you, your God's too little. If you think God is mad at you for what you did last week, You need to get to know him. Because his love's unconditional. 
If you think God's got wrath waiting for you, this is what the book of Romans says. Because Jesus took that wrath, you're not appointed for wrath. It's not appointed for you. It's not destined for you. It is not a part of your package that you get. I got, I got to convince God I'm doing pretty good so he won't do that to me. That's so insecure and it's so belittling of who God is. How big is your God? You want an adventure? Take the leap of faith. Step out to see how big he is. Do it by talking to somebody about how big he is. If you're bored with your faith, talk to somebody about it. Talk to somebody about the God that you believe in. Matter of fact, even do the destiny thing and say, hey, I think we were supposed to meet. Like God had this all planned out. At work, at a job site. At a person you go and bid the job for. How do I know if it's really like it's God and it's a destiny? Try it. Step out. See what happens. That's too scary. Your God's too little and you're too afraid. And it has to do with your identity. Are you a risk taker? Some of you are nodding yes. Some of you don't know what I'm going to ask you to do if you nod yes. And you're just not sure of the old guy this morning, are you? Go for it, man. Go for it. What's the worst thing that can happen? My wife's good at asking that question. Get embarrassed. They go, hell no. I don't want to talk to you about that. Oh my gosh, that hurts so bad. They rejected me. Really? Don't you want an adventure? You know what I remembered this morning? You have no... Sitting on a pub in Hillsboro. You know this story, Pat. In Northern <laughs> Ireland... Just moved there. Just got tagged by paramilitary groups in my little shed. And I go to have a Guinness at a pub with a friend that I made. And a perfect stranger sits down and says, Hello, Reverend Rendles. How you doing today? So glad you could move over here. Never met the man in my life. How's the Reverend Stansfield doing? Is she fine? Do you like your new place? How's your daughter Brooke doing? I understand she just had foot surgery. She's back in the States. Every fear of somebody knowing though so many private things about my life, but it's an adventure in God of what he wants to do with you. What did that have to do with church? Everything. Because it has to do with God. You want an adventure? 
You're bored? Step out. Make a friend. Say something to somebody. Take a chance. Take a big risk that your God's bigger than anything you ever thought about yourself. Were you scared? A little bit, if I was honest. Yeah, a little bit. More scared about my family than anything. Somebody who didn't know me was telling me about stuff. That means, listen, if they want to find out about you, they can find out about you. Look at what happens today. They know through your cell phone, your records, your this, your that. What are we scared of? God's in control. God has a destiny for me. Maybe there's somebody waiting on a street corner this week who needs to hear how you no longer walk in shame because they do. But I'm not free of it yet. Tell them that. Be honest. Say, hey, I'm working through it. But I know this. God's big. Use the stories Lloyd tells. He's bigger than the universe. Use that one. Blows people away. Come magnify the Lord with me in your life, in your risk-taking. Instead of getting God to look at what you're not doing and what you can't do, why not ask God to get you to look at what is possible and believe that God's huge, really big, I might lose my job. Is God not bigger than that? And if you did lose your job, could he not get you a bigger one? A better one? A different one? A more exciting one? People keep looking for things to do for God and build the better squirrel cage of religion to try and get it there instead of taking a real chance in faith and believe how big God is. I don't know about you. I'm tired of religious squirrel cages. I don't want to build a better cage here. I don't have any interest in it anymore. I'm not going to give you the seven steps to intimacy and the five steps to gaining your inheritance and this and that. I believe in a God who's bigger than that for you. Great big. I forgot to read the rest of the Dudley Hall thing. Man, listen to this. When the revelation dawns in my spirit that I was chosen by God before I did anything right or wrong or made any choices on my own, an atmosphere of unconditional love is created that makes intimacy possible. As I said, I don't want to teach you the seven steps of intimacy. Ask God to reveal to you who he is. Until the revelation comes, however, I am always wondering how my performance measures up to God's expectations. You will live by conditions. You will try to live in such a way that you're saying, God, do you like me now? 
If I do this for you, will you you like me then? If I make my kids go to church, will you be okay with me, God? Will that be pleasing to you? If then, if then, if then. It's called conditional security. Eternal security says, God's for me. My spirit's brand new. He made me a new creation. I'm him. I'm his beloved. I'm accepted by him. He's delighted in me today. And I open my mouth and tell somebody about it. God's excited about Lloyd. Have you heard the good news? Put your name in it. I I really want to start, if I can invite you to anything, it's to start personalizing this. Get up tomorrow morning and say, there you are, the delight of Jesus Christ. And really get it personal. Do the hook thing with yourself and pull your wrinkles back and go, oh, there you are, Peter. There you are, brand new in Jesus Christ. Brand spanking new for the day. And then say to the Holy Spirit, what are we going to do today, God? Recognize that he lives in you. You're the temple. He's right there. Personalize this. Kick religion out and personalize your destiny in God. What are we going to do today, Jesus? He will respond to you, same thing we do every day, Pinky, try and take over the world. (laughs) This whole TV program. Well, we're we're not lab mice, are we? We're the most glorious thing he ever imagined. No, he's the more. We're the top of the food chain under creation. We were made in whose image? What what do you think he thinks about you when he looks down? Oh my gosh. We got to do something about that. Come here, Peter. He's gone. Look, everybody. There's Lloyd. He's acknowledged it again. My fullness dwells in him. The fullness of the Godhead lives where? Oh, Gwen, I love it when you smile. It's right inside of you. The fullness. Oh, no, you never let go? Nope, not ever. Are you saying I'll never have a bad time? No, you probably have some really scary times. I hope you do. I hope you have a big, hairy adventure. <laughs> are we shining one? The natural mind has difficulty understanding how God can select some without rejecting others. Whenever you're in a performance trap, you will start judging whether somebody else should be selected or not. When you're in, do you want me to hear, hear that again? When you're in the performance trap, you've got to decide whether somebody else can perform as good as you. 
Our minds must submit to the revelation of God in these matters. If you don't understand it, you go, I have no idea what the dude's talking about this morning. Some people were laughing and they think it's good, but I think he's pretty whack. Just submit it to the revelation of who God is. Say, Lord Jesus, would you reveal the gospel of grace to me over my life? Just pray it. Just pray. It's the most dangerous prayer you will ever pray. Way more dangerous than you trying to pull down the the principality that's over Kansas City. Way more dangerous is to say, show me you in me. Who? You won't be hanging on to tattered clothing of shame. I don't think Lazarus sat around going, I wonder how he did that. It's still there. It's still me. I wonder how he did that. It was so dead a while ago. You know what I think he was talking about? I heard his voice. He called me by name Lazarus. Oh, he not only knows your name, he knows where you live. (laughs) Better yet, if you know him, he knows where he lives inside of you. Oh, kiddo, do you have a journey ahead of you? You can be sure. Oh, wait, back up. We must not judge God by our definition of fairness. You can be sure that there will be no one in heaven saying, I wanted to go to hell, but I was chosen by God, and he wouldn't let me. (laughs) Nor will there be anyone in hell saying, I wanted to go to heaven, and I asked Jesus to save me, but he wouldn't. The point is, when it becomes clear in your spirit that God wanted you and chose you without regard to your performance, all the pressure will be off. You will be able to enjoy the security of intimacy with him, and both faith and passion will be the result. We keep trying to worship our way into being more passionate, or we try and be more compassionate to be more passionate. It's just another step of performance. I believe, therefore I speak. What say you? How big's your God? What hell did he pull you out of? Many. Oh, funny thing. I went there and his presence was there with me. The Psalm's true for you and me. I haven't been to heaven, but I'd sure like to write a book about it. You've been there. But I know heaven because it lives in me. I think I can write a book about it. Heaven in me.
Jesus in me. How do you separate Jesus from heaven? Are you still ashamed? How do I get rid of it? Let go of it. Just let go. It's a, it's a step of faith. What do you believe? You keep saying the same thing this morning. I want you to take a chance. And if you'll take that one chance, then get outside of these walls and go tell somebody about it. And set up a divine appointment. And begin to pray some dangerous prayers about what we believe in this place. You see, we got Psalm 102 going on here right now. And then I'll, I'll stop. Let this song be sung for a people you'll raise. Though yet not created, they might give you praise. These chairs need to be filled with praisers. And the only way they're going to come is when you open your mouth and tell them about the God that's bigger than what they think. So you're laying a trip on me and telling me I've got to do something. No, I'm inviting you into a big, audacious adventure in God. What's the worst thing that they can say to you? No, I don't want that. Your response is, okay. Now let me talk to the next person, the next person, the next person, the next person. You'll be surprised how all the shame falls off you when you're trying to get it off of other people. Break the trap of spiritual narcissism. It's not all about you. It's all about him. Embrace what God has done. Declare it over your life and tell somebody. What's this doing inside of you to hear me say this? You can tell me right now. You won't embarrass me. What's this doing? Confirming. What else? Huh? Reassuring. Any of you feel challenged? Oh, this is a strange church, isn't it? Say it, say it loud, Sam. Huh? You feel like hope? You feel like been there, done that? What, what else? Come on, we can be honest in here. Challenge to take risks. Does it feel mandated? You got to do this to be okay? No? Sorry. What if we just start doing it different? What if we relaunch who we are? What if I invited you to get into a grace ship that could set sail and we do business on great waters and see his wonders in the deep? Not, and this is throwing stones, so Lord forgive me, 
but, but not playing with prophecy to give each other words, but actually taking a risk with what God's put inside of us and believe that he has a divine appointment waiting for us outside of these walls. And that we have a destiny that includes that. It's way big. Bigger than being an American. Bigger than being a missionary. Bigger because God's in control. Bigger than evangelism. When's the last time you led somebody to the Lord? You don't have to lead them to the Lord. God already wants them. You just have to talk to them about the God that's big, that already did it. If you tell them about the God that's mad at America and he's going to like kick her around because she's so evil, that's what all the news channels are saying. That's not a big God. I believe in a God that wants everybody to come to salvation. What do you believe? Kind, compassionate, and relenting of calamity. I agree, Sam. I've heard this before. Here's can be a difference. Hear before and do something with it. Take a risk this week. Come on, what's the worst thing that can happen? What's the worst thing that can happen? What if nothing, nothing is the worst thing that can happen? Okay. Then we'll take another risk the next day. What if you did it for three months and nothing happened? But on the 91st day, you talk to somebody at a McDonald's and they look at you and go, I've never heard this before, and they start crying. You mean God loves me? Yeah. I can have a relationship with him? Oh, yeah. Would you like me to pray with you right now? Would it be worth the 90 days of nothing happening to gain one day where salvation sprang up from the ground? Well, now you're negotiating again. Yeah. I believe. I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe in God who left a throne in glory and was born into human flesh and lived a sinless life and then became sin for me and died a death that was unimaginable and rose from the dead and gave that life, the one that was raised from the dead, as a free gift to me. Without charge, without anything, and just said, here, I'm going to make it okay for you. Well, you preach a get-out-of-free-jail card, you know? Yeah, it's the gospel. People need to hear the really good news. If you haven't heard it, Invite him in today. But tell somebody else about the really good news. There's enough bad news out there. Would you stand with me?